0: The last several weeks we've dealt with the first four Beatitudes that deal with this whole thing of, of our inner attitudes and how we approach uh, our relationship with God and with others. We talked about uh, being a person who was poor in spirit, which meant, means that we're humble. We realize and in a real sense what we cannot do ourselves is, is to solve all our problems, that we need someone outside ourselves. And that's God. We talked about some other inner attitudes as well. Somebody who mourns, somebody who's uh, uh, meek. We talked about hungering and thirsting for righteousness. All those things are things that happen inside of us to prepare us to do some things that are outside of us. And so we're in a transition point here in the middle of this uh, series. We're in the fifth week of an eight-week series on the Beatitudes. And as we look at these Beatitudes, what we're beginning to look at this week is how these inner attitudes change us and begin to affect how we act on the outside. And so this week's a transitional, I call it a transitional uh, beatitude. In, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 7, it says this, Happy are the merciful, for they will have mercy shown to them. Now, when I read that, I was kind of disturbed. I don't know if it disturbs you or not, uh, but I was kind of disturbed because it was, made me think that, well, if I'm not merciful, then God's going to act that way toward me. But then I began to realize what it's really talking about is that if I want to receive mercy from other people, in a real sense, because remember the first week it talked about the whole thing of being poor in spirit, realizing I can't do it myself, trying to do it all myself, and what happens when I do that? Uh, I become my own worst enemy in a real sense. I'm not humble. Well, when we, are, we don't deal with these other elements in our life, when we become that way, we're not merciful ourselves. We don't have a relationship with God. And so in a real sense, what happens is, is we begin to, uh, to look at uh, people in a way that we're going to talk about this morning that's not merciful. Because mercy, in a real sense, if you want to define mercy, mercy is love in action. Mercy is love in action. It's more than just an attitude. It's more than just feeling sorry for people. It's uh, doing something. The Bible says that God is a merciful God. It says in Psalm 145, verse 8, it says, The Lord is merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry, and filled with unfailing love. God is not an unmerciful God. He loves us in spite of who we are, with our imperfections and our other problems as well. But if you want to be like God, you have to be merciful. And, and if we want to really begin to operate out of the, the attitudes that God has for us, which ultimately helps us to love God and love people in the way we want to, then we have to understand we need to be merciful. I don't know if anybody's ever talked to you or said this. Whoa. Okay. I ever said this to you, but in a real sense, anybody ever uh, 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 claimed that you were um, a person who was a bleeding heart? Ever heard that term, a bleeding heart? What does bleeding heart usually mean? Anybody that we can talk back this morning, by the way, okay? Uh, very compassionate. The sad the sad thing is is so often bleeding hearts are considered to be. Also, you add uh, the term liberal to that as well. Often it's considered somebody who all they do is talk about love. So often people say that in our lives that what we do is we is we if we're a bleeding heart we're somebody who's all about love. It's all about love. And so often people say, I wish, you know, we could just go to a church that just talked about God's love. Why can't we be a church that talks about God's love? Because there's two sides to love. There's love, and there's also the reality of sin in our life, and we have to deal with both of them. Now, let me share this about mercy as kind of a disclaimer as we start talking about this this morning, because if I don't say this, you might get the wrong idea. Mercy doesn't ignore sin. Okay, mercy doesn't ignore sin. It doesn't sweep it under the rug. It doesn't pretend it doesn't matter. But what mercy does, mercy chooses to respond to the need instead of reacting to the sin. Now let me say that again. Mercy chooses to respond to the need instead of reacting to the sin. Mercy is compassion when it's not expected. It's kind of like this. I heard this story. Chuck Colson shared this on, online. I was uh, occasionally go to his site and read some stories. He's got great stories on there. And he and he shared this story, true story from Iraq. And it was dur- uh, just recently, at, uh, just a while back, a couple of years ago, uh, a story there that two insurgents, you know what insurgents are? They're the enemy, okay? Two insurgents were there, and they had been wounded, seriously wounded. They had been wounded, and the Americans had brought them into their camp to take care of them. Their doctors were beginning to take care of them and getting ready to have surgery, and they discovered that one of, the, one of the insurgents was so badly wounded that he needed 30 pints of blood to do the surgery that he was going to need to go through this whole process. And so the issue, the, the, the call went out to the people in the camp We need 30 pi, uh, pints of this type of blood. Now, this is the enemy now. But what happened amazed even the doctors, because within 10 minutes, there was a line of people, of soldiers, lined up outside the tent, willing to give their blood for this enemy soldier. And one reporter was there, and, and as the, the reporter looked at it, uh, thought about it and asked one of the persons, the first person in line was this, was this sergeant. And he, she asked this question of this sergeant. She says, does it matter, or doesn't it matter that uh, you're giving blood to an enemy soldier? And he said, a human life is a human life. See, a person who has mercy looks beyond a person's faults and meets their needs and and seeks out their needs as well. That's an act of mercy. It's kind of like this. If you so often, I don't know if this would ever happen, if you you went out here in the field out here somewhere and you found a Picasso painting... A real one, laying in the mud, covered with mud. What would you first recognize? Would you recognize the mud? Or would you recognize the Picasso painting, if you recognize Picasso paintings, by the way? Say a Rembrandt or something, some great painting. You knew it really was that. What would you recognize first? Would you go, oh, look at that mud? No. You would recognize the masterpiece, now you would deal with the mud later on, but you would first recognize the masterpiece. And so, in a real sense, that's what mercy—mercy mercy is recognizing the need, who people really are. The inner, you know, for, to us, God has created all of us. We are His. The Bible says His masterpieces. And he wants us to realize this: that we must, in a real sense, what we must do is we must look beyond, look beyond the sin, and recognize the need. But we do deal with the sin as well. So that's what mercy is. So today, what I want to talk about is I want to talk about what it means to be merciful in a tangible way. Isn't that what you're here for? Just to learn, some, not just to learn some some idea stuff, but to learn some very tangible things, some marks of mercy, so you can say, "Hey, I'm merciful," or "No, I'm not merciful." Because the purpose of Bible study is not just to get some knowledge. The purpose of studying God's Word is for us to learn how to apply it to our lives in a real practical way. Because this book is the most practical book, I believe, that was ever written in the history of the world, by far. Nothing else comes close. But we have to understand how to apply it. So what are some marks of mercy? What does the Bible say that it looks like to be a person that has that uh, it has love in action, that sees, sees the need, but also deals with the sin? Let me give you four marks of mercy this morning. Number one, if I'm merciful, I will be patient with those who are different. I will be patient with those who are different. You know, in, in every life, some weirdos may fall. Maybe you should say must fall, okay? In every life, some, some strange people must fall. And the thing is, is that we need to understand, how do you handle those kind of obnoxious people that come into your life? Well, in 1 Thessalonians 5.14, it says this. Encourage the timid. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone, okay? I'm just going to see if he's awake this morning. Just some people. No. Be, be patient with everyone. Now, is that hard for you? Or how many of it's hard for to be patient with everyone? I got my hand up first, okay? You know, I've got to understand. That it's not always easy to be patient with everyone. I'm not patient with everyone. The Bible says that if I'm merciful, I'll be patient with people who are different than me. Those, uh, we call them here at Great Oaks, EGR persons. You know what an EGR person is? Extra grace required. You know what I'm talking about. People, it needs a little bit of extra grace. They're, they just grate on you sometimes. There's people like that in every one of our lives. Now, how do you be patient with those who are different? You get to know them. Because the thing is, is when you look beneath the external behavior, there's behind every different type of person, there's loneliness, there's hurt, there's depression, there's anxiety that God says we need to look at. It says in Scripture, accept each other in the Lord, even as Christ has accepted you. People who are merciful are accepting people. People who are merciful are not quick to criticize or to judge. They realize that hurtful people are hurting people. So the first thing, if I'm a person who is merciful, I'll be patient with those who are different. Number two, if I'm a merciful person, I'll forgive those who have fallen. Let me ask you a question this morning. When people make mistakes, do you rub it in or do you rub it out you know what i mean when people make mistakes do you go around and criticize it you know i mean when your kids do something wrong do you rub it in do you do you criticize them even more or do you rub it out Do you try to deal with it in a positive more positive way How do you, the person who irritates you, how do you deal with that? When somebody does something to you, do you rub it in or do you rub it out? When people let you down, do you hold it over their head for the rest of their lives? Do you never let them off the hook? That's not mercy. See what it says here in Colossians 3.13, Be gentle and ready to forgive. Never hold grudges. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. We're going to talk about that in a minute. It's interesting about forgiveness that when you're called to to receive it, it feels so right. But when you're called to give it, it feels so wrong. I thought about this the other day. I heard this little quote, and I was talking about it. We have several folks in our church that are photographers that do a lot of photography. And I thought about this. Uh, uh, they probably never get criticized for their, for their pictures, Right? You know, you know. I, I, this this was a quote. I don't know if it's real or not, but it said this it was this lady who had her picture taken at the photographer's, and she was she brought it back and she looked at she brought the picture back and she says to the photographer, "This picture doesn't do me justice." And the photographer, being sharp of mind, says, "This lady, you don't need justice. You need mercy." So any of you photographers, just remember that. No, don't do that. You see, if I'm patient, I will be forgiven to the the fallen. Uh, It's a lot easier to criticize than to sympathize, to point a finger than it is to lend a helping hand. God calls us, he says, if you're a person of mercy, a mark of a person who is merciful, number one is that I'll be patient with those who are different. Number two, I'll forgive those who have fallen. Number three, if I'm a merciful person, I will help those who are hurting. I will help those who are hurting. Proverbs 3.27 says this. Wherever you possibly can and whenever you possibly can, do good to those who need it. Mercy is practical assistance. Mercy is not just feeling something for somebody. Mercy is doing something for somebody. There are people all around you who are hurting. When you feel sorry for those persons, that's not being like Christ. When you do something about it, that's what's being like Christ. Now this morning, let me share with you something about some of these boxes on stage here. Samaritan's Purse, uh, when they started this, this ministry here years ago, began to realize something as they ministered to people all over the world. There were children all over the world who lived with practically nothing. And they began to ask themselves, what is one small act of mercy, of love in action that we can do for these kids and do it on a large scale? And they realized how, what an immense task it would be. But they began to realize that, you know, unlike American kids, which if they got a shoebox, most of our kids would look at it and go, Ugh, that's it. They realize that the kids that receive these in the countries all over the world, third world countries all over the world that receive these shoeboxes, this is probably all these kids will receive as a gift the whole year. And they're going like, that would be a tremendous act of mercy, of love and action for these kids. And so it began, to, uh, in a small way, to challenge other churches and other organizations to begin to, to begin to send kid, uh, shoe boxes, just, just a small shoe box, something as small as this, filled up with some practical things, some toys and some, and some practical things for kids, to send it to them. And it's made a huge impact on kids' lives across the world. A huge impact on kids' lives across the world. Millions of kids this year through this small act of filling up a shoebox and sending it somewhere, will receive something that will make them begin to realize there's some people in the world that love me and care for me. They'll see that as a huge act of love. And along with this box, what it is Samaritan's Purse also places in there, in their language, uh, a, a little thing about who God is and about his love as well. And it not only meets a tangible physical need, but begins to, to use it in a sense what it does. It helps them to understand something about why, where the love came from. So when you give a shoebox, you're not just giving something, you know, when you're throwing some stuff. This is going to make a difference in a child's life. It may, it may give them hope where they have no hope. We believe there's three levels of impact that you and I can do in this world around us. You can do your own personal impact, how you impact people in your life, if you come to contact at work or in school or whatever. There's community impact and there's global impact. This is a global impact issue right here. But over here on the other side of the stage, we began to realize something else. that We were beginning over the last few years of making a community impact on an organization. We began to ask ourselves, how can we build relationships with organizations around us that meet the needs of the least Um, The least uh, resourced people in our communities. And we know for the last several years we've done the thing with the Christmas gifts for the families. We're going to do that too, by the way. And we've done Easter baskets for families. But we began to ask ourselves, how can we build relationships with these families that have real needs? and help them along the way, not just in physical needs, but other needs as well, because we've been able to take stuff to them, but once it's taken to them, you know, that's, it's out of sight, out of mind. And so there's been, in, in our church, a, a real movement recently of people beginning to pray and asking, how can we love God and love others in tangible ways all the time, not just once or twice a year? And I believe this is a God thing. I really do. Because what's happened recently as we began to, and I share, my wife shared with you earlier about what's going on uh, with this, God has opened a door for us to connect with families in Woodford and Tazewell counties. Mostly, this is where we live. I'd say 98% of the people that come to Great Oaks live in those two counties. We can begin to connect with the families that have real needs. These, are about, these represent 40 families here. Each box is a family. Woodford County Head Start. I looked online. Woodford County Head Start, not Woodford County. Woodford Tazewell Head Start serves 361 families. These are just a few. But then I read this statistic as well, and I began to realize the poverty that some of these families live in. Of those 361 families, 63% of these families had an annual family income of less than $15,000 a year. Now let me ask how many of you live on less than $15,000 a year. And these boxes represent the lowest income of those 361 families. The thing is we have to understand is that mercy, mercy... A mark of mercy is the saying, I will help those who are hurting. You know, there's a verse in 1 John chapter 3 that I, I've been reading 1 John as a prep for Christmas. 1 John 3, chapter 3 verses 17 and 18 says this. this, is, this if, if what I just said doesn't grab your attention, let me just read this verse. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, no mercy, how can God's love be in that person? Dear children, let us not merely say that we love each other, but let us show the truth by our actions. That verse stabs me like a dagger. Because I've often said things like, well, if I was rich, I would, you know, I hope that I would give away 90% of my income. But, you know, according to the rest of the world, I am rich. And you are too. We live in a world, we, live, we don't, we, we think that, you know, having things is, or... We always compare ourselves against a person down the street. But the issue is, is that we, in a sense, have the, issue, have the resources to really bless other people. And what this passage of Scripture says, if we don't do that, we're not pursuing love for God. We're not loving people. We're not doing the things that God wants us to do. You remember the story of the Good Samaritan in Scripture? The third guy who came back and took care, uh, took the guy to the, uh, down the road to the Holiday Inn, you know, gave him his Gold Express card and said, yeah, I'll pay for it myself. That's mercy. That's love in action. Jesus is saying, happy are those who care enough to get involved. That's the third mark of mercy. The fourth mark of mercy is this. If if I'm merciful, I'll do good to my enemies. Not just people that, that are difficult, but I'll do good to my enemies. Luke 6, verses 33 and 35 and 36 says this. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that, but love your enemies. Do good to them. Then your reward will be great. Be merciful just as your Father is. Tomorrow morning, when you go to work and you encounter that person at work that you are thinking in your mind right now, and I use the word jerk, you know you're thinking of that person that you deal with who is just nasty to you. Most of you have somebody like that at work, unless you work in fairly, you know, in Disneyland or something like that. Or if you go to school, or that person is there who just constantly is harassing you. You know, how do you treat them? Do you give back to them the way they give to you, or do you do something else? Do you do good to them? Do you? Return good for evil. That's what the Bible says as Christians we're to do. Why? Because it's better. It's, it's better to eliminate an enemy by turning them into a friend. And the only way we're going to do that is by beginning to treat them the way that we would like to be treated. To love them instead of return angry things back toward them. So, those are four, four um, marks. Of the merciful person. Now, if that's not enough, let me give you three quickly. Three quickly motivations why this week you need to practice mercy. This week, not next week, not two weeks down the road. Why you'd be in the start right now? Why do you need? What are some motivations for practicing mercy? Not just because of what he said. Number one, because God has shown mercy to me. One of the motivations that we need to understand that we need to show mercy to others because God has shown mercy to me. Matthew 18.33 says, Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Who's speaking there? Jesus is speaking to us. God expects me to do to others what he has already done for me. i got to stop and remind myself sometimes, you know, God, if you can be merciful to me, surely I can be merciful to that person because, man, sometimes I just have to be honest. If you're honest and you're humble, be attitude number one. If you're humble, you will realize that daily you do things, you think thoughts and do things that just hurt God. I have to ask for forgiveness daily for attitudes and actions or lack of actions. And so God wants us to understand that the reason that we need to show mercy on others is because he has shown mercy to us. God has been merciful to me, so I need to be merciful to other people. See, we tend to judge other people by their worst faults, and we tend to judge ourselves by our best intentions. Let me say that again. We tend to judge other people by their worst faults, and we tend to judge ourselves by our best intentions. We need to be merciful. Because God has shown mercy to me. Number two, I need to be merciful because I'm going to need more mercy in the future. Let me, let's take a survey real quickly here. How many of you think that you can go the rest of your life and never make a mistake? Thank you. Guess what that means? You're going to need mercy in the future. Unless you can live a perfect life the rest of your life, every one of us needs mercy. In James chapter 2, verses 13, it says, The man who makes no allowances for others will find none made for him. Only those who give it will get back. Those who give mercy get mercy. If you don't give mercy, you don't get mercy back. But people will say, But you don't understand what that person did to me or or what they're doing. I can't forgive them. I can't deal with that. Well, then I hope you never sin again because you won't need forgiveness yourself i guess but we need we need to understand that i need to be merciful because i'm not going to need it again in the future see god does not give us what we deserve he gives us what we need isn't that good news god doesn't give us what we deserve he gives us what we need and that's mercy, and mercy is giving to others not what they deserve when they're fallen, not what they deserve when they're hurt, they've hurt us by get, but giving them what they need. It's looking, mercy is looking beyond the sin and looking at the need first, and then dealing with the sin. And finally, another motivation for mercy. How many of you like to be happy? Anybody here like to be happy? No, no, you just, you're just all asleep. OK, No. You know, remember what these Beatitudes, it starts with happy is the person, happy is the person, happy is the, happier this, happy. It's about being happy, not just like this Disneyland happiness, but true inner peace and joy. That's the type of happiness it's talking about here. I think all of us want that in our life. So guess what another motivation for mercy is? You need to be merciful because it makes you happy. Happy are the merciful. Remember what the verse that we started off with says? Happy are the merciful. The opposite of that is also true. The most miserable people I know are people who are resentful, who refuse to give up a grudge, who are holding some unforgiveness over somebody else's head, and they don't realize they are hurting themselves. Lack of mercy makes me miserable. I love what Ben Franklin said when he said this, When you're good to other people, you are best to yourself. Proverbs eleven seventeen 17 says this. It says, Your own soul is nourished when you were kind. It is destroyed when you were cruel. You see, doing acts of mercy gets us out of our, outside of ourselves. It, it, it gets my focus off of me and onto other people, and it produces happiness, real inner peace and joy in my life. Let me tell you something, folks. If you want to experience in your life true happiness and joy, it's not about getting It's about giving. During the Christmas season and and during the Thanksgiving season and all the rest of the year, instead of thinking about, you know, what could I get to make me more happy? What can I do to make me more happy? What you could do is learn to give. These are just prompting things. I hope this is a start. What what if you were to build a relationship with a family? This, This box represented a relationship with a family that on an ongoing basis over the next year, that you could have an impact into their life, a family who struggles. Let me tell you, over 50% of the families these boxes represent are single-parent households, mom and kids. And they struggle. They struggle financially, they struggle with all kind of uh, of issues. I mean, being a single parent family is hard enough, but having no resources is another thing up on top of this as well. What if you began to to give to others and help others and help, and this represented the family of starting place, of building a relationship with a family one-on-one, and they became your mission field here in this community, in this world. What if every family at Great Oaks had that kind of one-on-one relationship with someone else that they were helping on a regular basis. You let know me to tell you what would happen? According to Scripture, and that's just not according to me, it's just according to Scripture, you'd be a happier person. You'd be a less self-centered person. You'd be a person who is merciful. It's time to quit, so I better even though I'm not finished. I just want to say this. (sighs) Who is in your life this week that needs mercy? Where can you, this week, in a real tangible way, offer forgiveness to someone who doesn't deserve it? How can you start, hey... This is not an either-or thing, by the way, this morning, folks, okay? I'm just telling you the way I see it. There's hardly anybody here that couldn't afford to, in a real sense, pick up a shoebox and a box and meet needs of families. You're going, just quit buying coffee this week, okay, on your way to work. That'll pay for that. Eat out one less time. That'll pay for that. And when you begin to do th- little things like that and begin to do it on a regular basis, God will begin to change your heart, change your mind, and make you the kind of person he wants you to be. He'll make you humble. He'll make you mourn over your sin and realize that, you know, there's, there's some real needs in your life. He'll, he'll make you hunger and thirst after righteousness, after the right things in life. And he'll, you'll begin to realize something. You'll begin to realize that that's real happiness. Not the superficial pseudo stuff that we see in the world. That's real happiness. So this is what we're going to do. I'm going to pray. We're going to sing a song. After the song's over, with you come by and grab a box, and a shoebox, or multitudes of them. And if this stage is empty after the first service, so be it. Guess what? We can have we can get more shoeboxes, and this is only this only represents 40 families out of 360. Guess what? I, I, you know, I'm sure that Lindsay Markle, the director, the community service director down at. Uh, Head Start would be more than happy to find some other families for us to deal with, to help. Because she only chose like two out of each class. The kids that are had the least resources and their families. The rest of them are still 63% below, below $15,000 a year. And they still have some real needs that you and I can meet by being merciful. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to Great Oaks Community Church's weekly podcast. For more series and podcast information, go to greatoakscc.org.